It's Mother's Day. Woohoo! It is a special time, but it can be a very complicated time, too. It can be a sweet and joyful and exciting time of celebration, but it can also be a bittersweet time, a time that is frankly sad, a time of grieving and resentment and anger underneath the surface or on the surface. But regardless of whether it's joy or not, it is a time of reflection. And it's important that as human beings we reflect, reflect on the past, reflect on where we came from and who we came from, because if we don't reflect, then we go about our life without purpose, without meaning, without understanding. And if we don't understand our history, we're doomed to repeat history that may not be what we want. Mother's Day and upcoming Father's Day, an interesting time of reflection, of looking back. And of course that depends, that reflection depends on a whole lot of factors. It depends on the quality of the relationship we had with our moms or dads or people of influence in our life, those who sowed into our lives. I've been thinking as I've been, had been preparing this message the last weeks, and in anticipation of the spring and Mother's Day, thinking a lot about my mother, and thinking a lot about my dad also, and thinking also about the people that influenced my life and made me who I am today. And uh, there, there are maybe some surprises that I've found. I've been thinking a lot about my heritage been thinking a lot about where I came from, those relationships that I had early on and even later on in life that made a difference to me and made me who I am. And for me, it, it was my mom and it was my dad, but it was also a high school journalism teacher, the first teacher who really believed in me and I knew it, who really believed that, that I could report on something that happened and write it down and put it in a format and put it into a school newspaper and accomplish something. And she believed that I could do that. And I thought that was going to be a career. It turned out not to be, uh, but it certainly was something that I enjoyed. But she, she spoke into my life, life and hope, and hope was important. We even read Faulkner together. And I have to tell you, if I had to read Faulkner now, I don't know if I could do it because it's real complicated stuff. But I can remember she gave me a copy of Absalom, Absalom. I didn't even know who Absalom was, but she wrote her name in it and dedicated it to me. And that, when I was 17, meant a whole lot. Um, so my mom, my dad, that high school teacher, and a youth pastor at a Presbyterian church a half a block away from my home who made being a Christian really cool, really cool. And, and that changed the trajectory of my life later on. And then there was even Ruth Elifrit, Lori Givens' mom, who with her husband and Lori and family lived next door to us, lived next door to the mother of my children and I when we first moved into Staley. And I saw what a Christian life was. Um, and she invited my uh, wife at the time to the mother-daughter dinner here at Clarksburg Baptist Church. And I remember Sarah coming home and thinking that it was a pretty neat experience. There were a whole lot of people there at that point in time in 1979, a whole lot of mothers and daughters, and she felt included in the community. 
And who would know that 35 years later I'd be coming to Clarksburg Baptist Church without her, but I'd be coming to Clarksburg Baptist Church and that that would be such an important part of my life. Just amazing how all that works out. So I, as I say it, I've been thinking a lot about my heritage. I, even when I drove through Cumberland several, three or four weeks ago, I stopped and saw my parents' graves. Had to go out of my way. It's not something that I usually do. I'm not part of my parents' generation that would faithfully decorate graves and visit cemeteries. That's not something that, that, that I have practiced. But it was interesting to go see their graves and see their birth dates, 1910 and 1911, a long time ago. And I'm facing, looking about my heritage, going back to my 45th high school reunion in my old neighborhood outside D.C. And I'll probably see that the neighborhood has changed a whole lot and that the house that I lived in is a whole lot smaller than I remember it. But those are the kind of things that I've been thinking about, thinking a lot about my heritage. But I've also been thinking a lot about my legacy. What am I going to leave here when I'm no longer here? I have been enjoying Donetta's grandchildren for the last years. There are four of them. And now Donetta's son is getting married in two weeks, and, and he and his bride will surely have more grandchildren increasing the prospects of more grandchildren in, in my home. Uh, but they are done at as children having children. And now my son is going to have my first grandchild. In fact, my son is going to have my first grandson. So he proudly called me the other day to tell me that it was going to be a boy. And then he called me a little bit later to tell me that my son's name is Louis Part Three, Louis Third. He called me very proudly to tell me that they were going to name the son... Linus. Linus? I didn't say that. I didn't say it like that. I said, oh, Linus, that's a wonderful name. I can see why you'd want to name a boy Linus. <laughs> Linus from Peanuts, you know, drags a blanket around. But I know he and his wife are very different kind of people. They think they're kind of hip, not like me. Um, but then he called me two weeks ago and said, Dad, I have reserved the right to name him Louis IV, if that's what we decide to do. So, and, and who knew that I was going to feel the way that I felt about that? I had no idea. That hit me like coming out of nowhere, you know. So like I say, I've been thinking a lot about my heritage, where I came from, and I'm thinking a lot about my legacy when I'm going to leave. I remember a few years ago that stuff was not important. In fact, maybe even a few days ago that stuff was not very important. I remember back when I was in my 40s, one of the drug companies had given us a bunch of Stephen Covey stuff, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which I thought was really neat. They even gave us a cassette tape that I could put in my cassette tape. You know, they were cassette tape ones. Put them in my car, and I really studied it because it seemed like this, he was, Steve Covey was really on to something. I have discovered that there is a scriptural basis for all that. It, you know, you can spin it a Christian way, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, but he talked about the desires of a human being to live, to love, and to leave a legacy. I was very busy in my 40s and before that, living and loving. When he talked about a legacy, I didn't have any idea what he was talking about. It wasn't important to me at all. Uh, but I've come to understand that it is now on my radar screen, and it is something to really wonder about. So as Mother's Day is here today and Father's Day comes around, heritage and legacy are both very important things. And I kind of wonder where I came from spiritually. 
my dad taught me to go to Mass. My dad taught me to observe the Holy Days of Obligation. My dad taught me to get down on my knees and pray in bed, uh, at the bedside in the morning and in the evening. He was very faithful, but it was all kind of based on works, going through the motions. I never learned anything deep about that. Um, if I got law from my dad, I got grace and mercy from my mother. My head, my heart, my sentimentality, my understanding, my compassion all came from my mother. My heart and my head and my guts came from my mom. So I looked at that part of the spiritual formation of me, what makes me a spiritual being, and they came from both of my parents. But maybe some part of my spiritual development that had to do with perseverance came from that high school journalism teacher and the youth pastor. It's just hard to tell. And even Ruth Alfred, you know. What is spiritual formation? Spiritual formation is what turns us into a spiritual being, what gives us spiritual understanding. Gerald May's written, spiritual formation is a rather general term referring to all the attempts, the means, the instruction, and the disciplines intended toward deepening our faith in God and furthering our spiritual growth. All the things that make us spiritual beings and give us spiritual understanding, that's spiritual formation. Well, I've come to understand in our culture that mothers and fathers and other people, other people of influence, are important in that, and they help in our spiritual formation. And it's very important that you know where your spiritual formation comes from, because if you don't understand where it comes from, it's hard to have any, any intention about that. And we need to be very intentional about our spiritual formation. And all this stuff goes into this, and it all has to do with Mother's Day. And so the scripture I picked is Acts 2, 42 to 47, in reference to Mother's Day. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved added to their number. Families, moms and dads and people of influence indeed can build the kingdom of God and make disciples and add to the number. It's no coincidence in the video that the mom was reading the book of Acts. Indeed, Acts, as you know, talks about the early church. Acts indeed talks about the accomplishments of the early church, the body of Christ as it got started and as it grew for years. Well, the, the book of Acts still goes on, and we as Christians are writing the book of Acts, the continuation of the book of Acts. We're making disciples, or we can be making disciples, and that's how I see Acts 2 fitting in to Mother's Day and the video that we just watched. And my stories about my mom and dad and those people of influence in my life who made my spiritual formation happen. I'm going to make three points today in this message added to their numbers. The first is that spiritual formation is from our families. And I use the word family very loosely. Relationship is key. 
Making disciples, making other Christians is all about relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with others, be they parents or be they surrogate parents or spiritual mentors or youth leaders or vacation Bible school volunteers, people of influence who are spiritual formation figures in our culture. That's my first point. It's all about relationship. And the second point is while there's nothing like a mother's love or a father's love or the love of a person of influence, God's love is so much greater so much greater. And my final point is going to be that children, either natural or spiritual children, however that goes, that's our legacy. So invest in someone today. Invest, invest in a child today. We're commanded to do it. We're told to make disciples of all nations. And we need to be intentional about it. Invest your life in someone else's life today. Make a disciple. So my first point is that spiritual formation is from our family, right? Relationship is key, and there's all kinds of family members. It's all about relationship. I've been blessed to work at the mission for seven and a half years, and we have surveyed folks who have made it through the mission and done right, made it through the mission and made some progress, made it through the mission and survived, made it through the mission and done the next right thing. And when we ask them, what made the difference in your life? They don't point to a program. They don't point to a Bible study. They don't point to Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday night even. They point to a key relationship with a key person that made a difference at the right time in their life. It's all about relationship and relationship with God. But primarily, the hands and feet of Christ with skin on right there in their life. I was going to run, but Steve talked me out of it. I was going to give up, but Mary prayed with me. I was going to overdose, but Jimmy talked me out of it. I was going to go off the 4th Street Bridge, but somebody talked me down. And that somebody was, and they can name that person. It's all about relationship. And it's not a lot of relationships. It's just a few key people, sometimes just one key person. So it's all about relationship. And when you consider in your own life the good friends or family that you had that really made a difference, it's usually a pretty small number. It doesn't matter if you've got hundreds of friends, hundreds of friends on Facebook. It's a key, few key relationships that speak to you, that are there for you, that get you. Jesus gave us a model for that. Jesus was very intentional about it. He had a core team and a small group of disciples, and he poured into their lives so they could then build the kingdom of God. And that's where we are now, generations, thousands of years later. Jesus was very intentional. In Mark 3, 13 to 15, it says, Jesus went on the mountainside and called to him, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Those he wanted. You know, he was God. He could have reached thousands of people, but he picked a small group of people, a small group of 12. And even in that group of 12, he had a core leadership team that he poured into, that he made a relationship with, that he invested in, that he poured into, that he communicated to them that he got them. 
Jesus was the perfect small group leader, indeed. And we're told to teach our children well. We're told to teach our children with excellence and teach them the things of God, whatever form those children take, be they adults. Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7 says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. We're to talk about the teachings of Jesus. We're to talk about that key stuff. We're to impress it on our children and talk about it a lot. That's how we disciple people. That's how you make a connection. That's how we influence people. And our faith is all about remembering what God has done because it's easy to forget. It's easy in our life to forget what's happened in our life that God has done or a godly person has done. It's easy to forget those messages and memories, but we take those messages and memories and pass them on to the next generation, to the next generation. Psalm 78, 7 and 8 says, then they would put, their God, put trust in their God and would not forget his deeds and would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. They would not forget His deeds and would keep His commands. So my first point, again, it's all about relationship. It's all about having a relationship with someone else, being their parent, either in fact or in a surrogate fashion. And then my second point is, while there's nothing like a mother's or father's love, or a person of influence, God's love is so much greater. So let me just talk about a mother's love. There's nothing like a mother's love if it's right. There's a whole science related to bonding. I remember that stuff early in medical school and then early in practice, particularly when I was doing obstetrics, when we were delivering babies. They got this idea and we knew the facts that if a mom and a baby were able to get together early on unimpeded, there was fabulous connections that could happen. Whole bunches of biochemical processes that would happen in the first minutes or hours or days or weeks of contact. And so there was a time when babies were delivered and the mom was unconscious and they'd be delivered and the mom might wake up hours later or a day later and connect with the baby. But natural childbirth came in, the idea of the mom being awake, the baby being skin on skin with her and all the powerful things that happened. Medical science came to understand that there's this whole wash in our brain of neurotransmitters, serotonin and dopamine, and in nursing, this stuff called oxytocin, all these fabulous things that go on in our brain that make that connection that makes for a mother's love. Um, but the truth of the matter is, the prophets knew about it. Isaiah, 700 years before Christ, 2,600 years before anyone even knew what a neurotransmitter was, what a brain chemical was. In Isaiah 49, 14 to 16, it says, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. But can a mother forget the baby of her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Even Isaiah, the prophet, 700 years before Christ, knew about this whole process of bonding and how powerful that is and what that love is all about. But the prophet knew even more because the prophet knew that God's love is even more powerful than that. And then in the next verse it said, though she may forget, I will not forget you. God will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. 
God's love so much more powerful than any human love. And as I sought out the stories of a mother's love, what parents would do to sacrifice for their children, there were volumes and volumes of stories. But I know that God's love is even greater, and you need to know that too. Ephesians 3, 14 and 19 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, have the power, together with all Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of God is. I also get to serve folks who had very ungodly parents and very ungodly people that raised them and got into some horrific circumstances, frankly abandoned and frankly abused. But I'm blessed time and time again to see God show up in their lives in a huge way. God's prevenient grace rescuing them out from their struggles when we least expect it, when I least expect it. God's grace going before, grabbing them back out of their circumstances and drawing them to Him powerfully. But God, when it makes no sense in the natural that anyone gone through these circumstances would have any hope, God shows up in a huge way. So that, my second point, is that God's love is tremendous. And then my third point is that finally, children, either natural or spiritual, are our legacy. And we need to invest in one today. In fact, we're commanded to do it, and we need to be intentional about it. We need to be intentional about making disciples. And we are promised that it's key and that the rewards are great. It's a wonderful promise to claim. In Proverbs 22.6, start children off in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they're not turned from it, even if that child is older than you might think. Start off the child the way they should go, and even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. It's a key promise that we can claim and one to remember. It's easy to forget the things that God has done. Deuteronomy 4.9 says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. A legacy, again, a legacy of godliness. Many blessings of having a legacy of people, of relationships with people that go on to more people, those we influence. Psalm 127, 3 through 5 says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him, like heirs in the hands of a warrior or children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, they will not be put to shame. Blessed. It is to have so many people to influence and have those connections, even if it's one. And finally, 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Inherit a blessing of a legacy. 
We're commanded, again, we're commanded to make disciples. We're commanded to make connections. Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So on this Mother's Day, an upcoming Father's Day, and somewhere in there, Grandparents' Day, I reckon, I just encourage you to reflect on your heritage. Use this as a day to reflect on who influenced you and what influence they had upon you. Where did you come from? And then understand where you're going. Are you thinking about your heritage? And are you thinking about your legacy? Have you added to the numbers as the early church did through the family, through the family of God, through the family of this church congregation? Have you made disciples? Are you making disciples? Are you making an impact for the kingdom? Is there someone out there in need who just needs a kind word, some encouragement, a connection? Did someone out there need to see Jesus Christ in the flesh? In this church or in this community, certainly there's opportunities. And if you need disciples, if you need someone to come alongside you, if you need a kind word, if you need some encouragement, if you need some spiritual guidance, do you recognize that? Can you come out of denial about that? And can you ask for it? Can you make your needs known? There's no shame in asking for help. So let us pray.